This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Are we there yet? Not quite, but the American presidential election is entering its final days. And right on cue, the jockeying for prime positions in the next presidential cabinet has already begun. In particular, there's lots of noise doing the rounds from Washington to Wall Street about who will help Hillary Clinton and quite possibly Donald Trump, maybe he still has a chance, to shape economic and fiscal policy. Who will run the Department of Treasury? Will it be Lael Brainerd, now on the board of the Federal Reserve and formerly the Treasury's chief international diplomat? Or is she too associated with deregulation and the financial industry to make it past the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party? What about Facebook chief operating officer Sheryl Sandberg? And if Trump wins, however unlikely that may be given the polls, who would accept the job? What happens if Janet Yellen is a one-term Federal Reserve chair? And what about the U.S. Trade Representative or the Commerce Secretary or the President of the Council of Economic Advisers? The list, of course, goes on and on and on. To help us parse through the names for the many important roles on offer in shaping economic policy, I asked Ben White, chief economic correspondent at Politico, and Gina Chon, the Washington columnist at Breaking Views, to swing by Times Square and help us get through these names. We use the economic dream team machine, which you can find at Reuters.com forward slash economic hyphen dream hyphen team. It's a pretty good tool to help you understand who might be in the frame and how they stack up. Anyway, give it a listen. So, Ben, Gina... Without some sort of great calamity, we can pretty much expect that there will be a new president of the United States very soon. What that means, of course, is the bun fight begins for who gets plum positions in the cabinet. And, of course, we're interested in the economic positions. Who's going to get to do what? Who's going to be the Treasury Secretary? Uh, Who's going to be the head of the National Economic Council? Who runs the Federal Reserve? Who's the Secretary of Commerce? All that kind of stuff. Ben, your Morning Money newsletter has had lots to say about this over the last few months. And uh, I, I get a sense there's actually a lot of jockeying already going on. Um, what's what's your sense of that whole fight going on at the moment? Right. Well, if we're presuming a, a Hillary Clinton win here, uh, it looks like that's the most likely outcome. Uh, a lot of people in the Democratic Party have already moved on to fighting over what is the economic financial policy of a Hillary Clinton administration. You've got the left, led by Elizabeth Warren, who, as we've seen, is out on the campaign trail with Clinton. She's a big Clinton ally right now. That could change November 9th when 
Elizabeth Warren and her fellow folks on the left will want progressives at Treasury, uh, the National Economic Council, Council of Economic Advisors. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Hillary Clinton not to name a bunch of Wall Street people mm-hmm. to these top jobs, and she's not going to be able to do that. But she would, presumably, like some people with business experience, like a Sheryl Sandberg uh, at Treasury, uh, in order to do that, she'll probably have to pick a couple of progressives for other jobs. So there is this internal fight that will be going on in the Democratic Party between sort of centrist, more moderate, uh, pro-business Democrats and the ascendant part of the party, which is very anti-Wall Street, very anti anyone coming out of corporate America. So that jockeying is well underway. So what about the Republicans? Gina, I mean, we don't see a whole lot of jockeying, at least visibly, among Republicans. Is that because basically there aren't a lot of Republicans who want to work for a Trump administration? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are sort of scared to be associated with him, especially as they think of their own future and and possibly other Republican administrations. You've seen his economic council, where a lot of those people are, frankly, like other rich guys like Trump. Um, There's hedge fund managers like John Paulson and and others. Um, He also has Wilbur Ross on the distressed debt side, but not a lot of people who have past government experience and, and policy background. So that right. makes it a bit tougher for but his ben, side. Do you get a sense when you talk to these people, Ben, that they're basically, they're just not, as Gina said, out there publicly, but if they were called upon by the president of the United States to do their duty and run the Commerce Department or the Treasury, they would heave themselves up out of their um, limited partnerships and and travel down to Washington to take the job. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, there's a whole different dynamic before a Trump win than after a Trump win. A lot of folks like a, a, a Glenn Hubbard would not want to be associated with Trump right now because they don't like him. They don't like his policies. They don't agree with him on trade. Uh, and certainly all of the negative stuff that's associated itself with Trump on immigration, on his relationships with women, it's just not comfortable for a lot of mainstream Republicans to be associated with him right now in the economic space. But should he win, the argument that they make to me when I talk to them is somebody's got to do these jobs. Somebody's got to be a counterpoint to Trump, particularly on trade, uh, and say, look, you know, free trade is generally good for the U.S. Uh, and the global economy. Uh, we're not going to deport 11 million people in a year. So they will, as you suggest, somehow find it within themselves to, to serve their country. So I, I think he'd be able to populate an administration, uh, all these critical I mean, you economic had, you had. I remember Gina and I were both at, at a panel you guys put on, Politico put on, at the convention in Cleveland, and you had Stephen Moore, I think, mm-hmm. was up there, and he's Larry Kudlow, and Larry Kudlow, and certainly Moore has been, you know, looks like he's trying out for a job right. um, in the Trump administration. Kudlow-ish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little qualified. He, he's waffled a bit lately. I mean, he's like a number of people who are. You know, very ideologically uh, wedded to the idea of supply side economics and widespread tax cuts being good for economic growth. And it almost doesn't matter who the top of the ticket is for them because that's their ideology and they're going to fight for it. Trump has tried even the patience of those people. Uh, Steve Moore, in particular, is really uncomfortable with Trump's trade policy. He's a free trader, and, and most of the folks who are in Trump's economic council are. But there are people who are still on board. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Scaramucci, the hedge fund uh, manager, and Kudlow to some degree, and Steve Moore. These are not the most high-profile people for cabinet positions necessarily. 
Well, I remember we asked uh, we asked uh, Scaramucci if he was interested in doing a job. I mean, he was like, "Look, I want to I want to have twenty billion dollar hedge fund before you know. I want right. I want to finish this job as a as an entrepreneur yeah. in the in the asset management space, and you know, it's not really. I just yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's the that's well, the response. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they all have to say, frankly. Right. Whether you're Sheryl Sandberg or, or Scaramucci, you know, when when you're asked, you're supposed to pretend like you know you don't want it and and that you're fine where you are. But <laughs> stories quickly change afterwards. Right. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, go, let's actually look at the jobs. Let's start with the Republican side because that may be a shorter list. Um, but I mean, we've done the Economic Dream Team Machine, which you can see at uh, EconomicDreamTeamMachine.com uh, and at Reuters.com and Breaking Views, and you can go through there and kind of rate who from the Republican or Democrat side you think would make the best choice for a number of positions. But we start at the top with Treasury Secretary. So. Ben, Treasury Secretary uh, in a Trump administration, who is sort of likely who we know who might want the job, but who do you think is best qualified and might to, and within a group that would actually say yes? Yeah, I think Hubbard is is in that group. And Glenn uh, Hubbard uh, worked, in, you know, he's been in the Treasury before. Right? Yeah, he worked in the uh, Bush administration, uh, now dean of the Columbia Business School, uh, I believe. Uh, he also was the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors under under President George W. Bush. He's on a couple of boards. I think we rated him um, as scoring best in the, in the Dream Team Machine as getting a four in budgeting and coming out okay on finance and markets. Do you think he'd do it? This is one where it's the question of, does he feel a duty to serve his country and try to be a, a tempering force on Donald Trump? He's not a big Donald Trump fan. Uh, I think he would say now that, no, he's no interest. But, you know, it's tough to turn down a president-elect when they ask you to be in a cabinet position. So I, I'd say it's, you know, 60-40 that, yes, he would do it. And I think he would be a calming influence on a lot of Republicans freaked out about Trump's economic policy. They'd say, okay, this is going to be a little bit more of what we're used to on the tax side, uh, on the uh, trade side. Uh, so he'd be a calming influence. Then there, you know, that whole list we made of of hedge fund managers and others from from industry like Tom Barrick, who, who are possibilities. Uh, they're much less well-known commodities in the Republican policy arena. So you could get a you know a surprise choice there. I mean, what what are there people like you? I don't know senators or people yeah. on the Hill. You think could do it? Yeah, uh, Bob Corker, uh, Republican senator, is sometimes mentioned as a possible Treasury Secretary. He's also been mentioned for state and some some other jobs. Now he's under he's Trump. a he's a guy who made his money in I think real estate or something in, yeah. in Chattanooga. Yeah, that's the, the in Tennessee, there. right? That's right. that's correct. But now, you know, he, if I don't, doesn't he have some sort of legal issue sort of still hanging over him? Uh, if he does, uh, he may. Um, Gina, what did we? What did I can't remember what we thought. We were concerned that he might have an. I think you gave him a three minus three ick factor in the Dream Team machine. Just to be clear, the ick factor is kind of our judgment about the problems they might have related to either their their personal issues, their financial issues, the fact they might have worked in a bank or a hedge fund on Wall Street that might have been bailed out. Those are the kind of a negative against them. So we we, we thought it would be kind of an ick factor, right, if if they were indeed put up uh, for a Senate confirmation. Yeah, he's, he still has that sort of surrounding him. But I think, you know, he is seen as maybe a more reasonable person, possibly. There's also Jeb Henserling, the head of the um, House Financial Services Committee, who has come up with a Dodd-Frank replacement, which Trump seems to also be sort of on board on. Um, right. But 
Henserling, just given how extreme he can be on, on the right, might have a hard time getting through the Senate. But he definitely seems like he's putting his name out there through his uh, Dodd-Frank plan. What about Greg Mankiw? I mean, he's a guy who has spent a lot of time. He's been a chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, chairs the Harvard Economics Department. Seems yeah. like a guy who worked, you know, a, a solid Republican yeah. center right yeah, he's, he's also in the kind of Glenn Hubbard area of someone who has a lot of experience in Republican policy circles, obviously held senior administration jobs, uh, comes from a traditional Republican uh, you know, tax cut supply side background, uh, more pro-free trade. Uh, another one who's not super psyched on Donald Trump and would have to be. Yeah, he's, uh, an, he's an anti-Trump. No yeah, Trump. he's a never-Trumper. I mean, a lot of the people mentioned for Trump uh, senior jobs are never-Trumpers. So you'd have to have a conversion process whereby they decide that uh, that they need to do these things. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you know, people from the Jeb Bush world uh, of politics uh, who would have to convert to, to work for Donald Trump, I think, you know, some would, some wouldn't. Uh, then there's a the question of whether Trump would be comfortable going to the so-called establishment for members of administration. If he's winning, if he somehow wins based on this incredible protest vote against the rigged system, against Washington insiders, against, you know, the uh, Paul Ryan wing of the Republican Party, how does he then turn around and start pulling people who used to work for George W. Bush or who were friends with Paul Ryan? It's not impossible that he does some of that, but that would be to a degree a repudiation of his own right. support. Well, I mean, someone like a Kevin Warsh who was on the Right. The governor's Federal Reserve is, is, you know, quite close to Paul Ryan, for yes. instance, and, you know, and, and was a Jeb Bush economic advisor. Right. People like that. I'm not sure how you fen- mend fences with people like that. Then you also have, win- I mean, I don't know to what degree he would like to um, diversify yeah. the, the leadership or the cabinet so that it is not all uh, w- old white dudes. Right. Um, but, I mean, Gina, we had a number of names that we put into the, the Dream Team machine, many of them are part of, of of Trump's economic team. We, You and I spoke to Judy Shelton, who was one of them. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but diversity has is, is not been a hallmark of his campaign, although he does now have uh, Kellyanne Conway there for um, for his campaign team. But I think the, the women on his economic council were more of a bit of an afterthought because when his advisor list was first put out, it was all oh, men, right. and yeah, a bunch of them right. happened to have the first name of Steve. So <laughs> there was a lot of um, criticisms and sort of uh, humor surrounding that, where y- you saw him uh, shortly afterwards and put out this uh, additional list uh, that had some. It had women all on women it. and Anthony Scaramucci. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. That. He was the, <laughs> the one exception, um, for better I mean, or worse. You had in the early stages, you know, this idea that Meg Whitman, someone like that, a very successful right. Silicon Valley entrepreneur, billionaire in her own right, um, and had run for the governor of California. Uh, a- a- she was on the list. Now she's <laughs> clearly off the list <laughs> yeah, because she's a she's, Clinton supporter. She's a Clinton supporter, in, right. and someone like yeah. Carly Fiorina, who has clashed clearly with yeah. um, never going to happen. Not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So you could see maybe like Elaine Chow. Mm-hmm. She's seems to be on one of his like Asian American councils. Um, that's Mrs. <laughs> is, that's uh, Mrs. Mitch McConnell. Right. McConnell right. Yeah. Yeah, she's possible. I mean, I see you have Sheila Bear on this list, too, and I just don't see a universe in which Sheila Bear 
agrees to work for Donald Trump. I mean, she is a Republican, obviously, but she's uh, super strong on uh, Wall Street reform stuff, uh, and she does not come from the Trump wing of the Republican Party. So, yeah. you know, one of the most prominent Republican policy makers uh, is simply not available to him. So I think if he does populate his administration with women uh, at high levels of the, the economic uh, and financial policy team, it's going to be people we don't really know. Right, right, right. Well, okay, that's enough on the on the. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> more the than polls, enough. It's yeah. probably more than we needed to spend on it. But <laughs> let's turn to to uh, the Democrat side, Hillary Clinton. Um, I mean, there a couple of thoughts. First is, do you think there's any possibility that she might, let's assume she's going to have a put a greater weight on diversity, so uh, gender diversity and perhaps other uh, racial diversity on her team. And then the other question, do you think she does political diversity? I mean, is it possible that she brings in, you know, a sort of centrist mm -hmm. right type figure uh, to do something like, you know, in, in the cabinet? Uh, on the economic policy side, I would suggest not. I, I think that's more likely, you know, for defense uh, or another area where she, I mean, she has some opposition from the left who thinks she's too hawkish on defense issues and worry about that. But the real heat uh, from her left flank is going to be over these financial positions, mm -hmm. uh, Treasury at NEC, at CEA, uh, at the SEC, all of the regulatory agencies. And if she were to bring in a Republican for any of those, she'd start an immediate huge fight with uh, the left, and she doesn't want that. So I doubt it. I mean, I think the furthest she can go on that front is to pick somebody for Treasury who comes from the business world, uh, who has high-level executive experience and is not a fire-breathing financial So you, you've, you've written on numerous occasions that Sheryl Sandberg is, is the – is, uh, is, I think that's is, the dream. Is pick. the dream choice there? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not everybody in Clinton's inner circle, but certainly uh, some of them who've worked with her at Treasury in the past and believe that she would be. Uh, let's just assume that Hillary Clinton's cabinet is probably going to be fifty percent women. That's kind of what she said as a goal. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, people expect. So. You know, That's Cheryl what the Canadians have done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Cheryl Sandberg is arguably the highest, one of the highest profile non-CEO women in in the country in uh, in terms of corporate America. Uh, and she obviously is a leading voice on so she's women a, in the she's workplace. She's the, the chief operating officer so of Facebook, Facebook, a billionaire because she was there from the start. Before that, she was a Google executive, and before that, of course, she was chief of staff for Larry Summers. Right. I guess my only question on that is. I have greater aspirations for Sheryl Sandberg, right. as my colleagues know. I mean, I would imagine that she could be someone who could be president in her own right. right. Um, and to do that, of course, uh, I'm not sure that you want to be secretary of the Treasury. Because, you might rather be governor of California. Yeah, be governor of California. Do that for four, eight years. She's still young. At least she's my age, so I think of her as young. <laughs> and on the other side of that, we just have never had a Treasury secretary who became president. Right. Yeah. No, it's not a guarantee that she wants to do it. I mean, she's obviously said, as, as Gina pointed out, everybody says this, that she's staying at Facebook. And it's possible that she doesn't want the job because she does have these higher aspirations. But I, you'd have to put her high on the wish list for Hillary Clinton. But She's not alone on that wish list. There are people like Roger Ferguson, the head of TIA, Kref. Who and he was on the Federal Reserve he Board. He was on the Federal Reserve the Board, African-American CEO diversity there. And then there are other women, too. Lael Brainerd, who is uh, at the Fed now. Sarah Bloom Raskin, who is the number two at Treasury. And then any of those names, you can get into the intricacies of how they're viewed on the left and what that fight would look like. Sarah Bloom Raskin is viewed more favorably than Lael Brainerd because Lael is too you know, pro-free trade. But... Cheryl might be at the top, but it's not a guarantee that she gets the offer, and there are plenty of other people in the and mix. You, well, I mean, you've I think you even wrote about some 
there were some people already coming out against Lael Brainerd. Yeah, both Lael Brainerd and Sheryl Sandberg. I mean, Sheryl Sandberg gets dinged on the left because she was a Summers deputy and is aligned or supposedly aligned with the Rubin wing of the Democratic Party, too close to Wall Street, too friendly to the idea of uh, deregulation and the deregulation of Wall Street in the 90s under Bill Clinton. And then Lael Brainerd gets, uh, I, I don't really fully understand the left's opposition to her. I think it centers around the idea that she is too pro-free trade and has defended trade deals. The left likes Sarah Bloom Raskin more than it likes Lael Brainerd. So um, what about, uh, Gina, what about in the dudes department? We mentioned Roger Ferguson. Yeah. Um, Larry Fink's name always comes up. I'm not sure if that's Larry Fink's doing, but um, his name certainly <laughs> does come up a lot. Now, there's the one thing I, I think that's going to be an issue with the Clinton administration, which is kind of the opposite of a, of a Trump win, is that there are just so many people on her side possibly jockeying for positions going way back to her husband's presidency and people who were around him then. Um, like Gene Sperling and others. Uh, then there's people who were with her in the 2008 presidential campaign when she lost to President Obama, and then people who have you know, joined her more recently. So just the universe of, of people who you know, want to cash in on maybe favors they've done or fundraising they've done for her and, and just sticking by her for all these years makes it a, a much bigger universe of, of people to choose. And obviously that can be a good thing because um, there are a lot of talented people on that side, but it also means that a lot of people are probably going to lose out. If you think of someone who fits that bill, like Tony James, who's the president of Blackstone, he is a, a longtime creature of Wall Street. So it might be hard to imagine him getting through a confirmation process, no? Yeah, I don't see a Tony James getting through a confirmation process for uh, a job like Treasury uh, or Larry Fink, for that matter. I mean, I know they want to be influential, and they put themselves out there as uh, potential um, you know, members of a Clinton administration. I, I don't think that's likely. And Gina makes a great point about the sprawling nature of the Clinton network and a lobbyist, as I was reporting on uh, some of these jobs for today's newsletter, emailed me to say that, you know, in 2008, Barack Obama came in without a huge network or competing fiefdoms of advisors. I mean, this was, you know, somebody had been a senator, but not for very long. So, you know, there wasn't a great war between uh, factions uh, for who was going to be in an Obama administration, although later the left got disappointed that he had too many uh, centrist types in his administration. But the way they described Clinton coming to Washington as president is like the Roman legions returning to Rome, like just these (laughs) massive uh, groups of people fighting for these jobs, and and that will certainly uh, happen, and uh, it'll be challenging for them to keep everybody happy. And frankly, they're just not going to keep everybody happy. There's going to be some people from the business world upset. The left is going to be upset over a few of these uh, appointments. It's going to be about finding a balance between those two that doesn't get her off to a start in her administration where there's a pitched fight on the left. And I think they can probably pull that off. And I think the Warren folks are at least they realize they're not going to get every job they want. They're not going to get uh, Gary Gensler running Treasury, uh, you know, along with Joe Stieglitz running the CEA. They might get one uh, or two of those. And Karl Marx is the Fed. And, and Karl Marx at the Fed. And, uh, you know, it, so they're realistic about what they can accomplish. They just want to have some seats at the table and to not have 
you know, Tony James and Larry Fink and uh, Mike Ruth Bloomberg Porat, and Ruth Mike Porat, Bloomberg. Right. Everyone, all these people from Wall Street, even though they're all very capable and might Perfectly be amazing capable and might be good you know, in the positions. Right. It's just it, it, that confirmation process would divide the party Precisely. just when it, it doesn't need that. Let's move on to the Fed chair. Yeah. Gina, who do you th- I mean, OK, so Janet Yellen is in place and she's in place until I think it's January of 2018. But of course, her uh, selection for her replacement, should should she she decide to leave or the or the president let her go, will open that up in next year. You know, not too far away from now. What do you think? I mean, what's uh, what are you hearing down there about Fed? Yeah, no, I I think some of the names that Ben had had already mentioned could also be possibilities for that spot. You have both Lael Brainerd and Sarah Bloom Raskin almost basically switching roles from the Fed to Treasury and vice versa. And so, you know, either of them could sort of be put up. Um, There's also just been so much criticisms as well of the Fed and uh, its lack of diversity, um, particularly when it comes to minorities. So maybe someone like a Roger Ferguson could could also be seen for a post like that. But the Fed is just under a lot of pressure from the left. I mean, they, you saw it on the right with the audit the Fed bills from Rand Paul and, and some others, but now the, the left has really um, started to come in strong and are really demanding that the Fed, or whether it's for some of these vacancies at the um, reserve banks um, across the country or uh, for the governors and, and the chair itself, to, to be more representative of the country and to, to think more about issues affecting low-income and, and minority groups. Yeah. So you mentioned Roger Ferguson. He was a vice chairman at the Fed. Um, he's, his, his, he's got pretty impeccable resume and has sort of always been on the right side of the center left, as yeah. it were. Um, I mean, it comes down a bit to the question of Fed independence, how big yeah. a deal that's going to be. And it's funny, just going to the Republican side, I've talked to people who are never Trump. Uh, Republicans who say, but if it came down to becoming Fed chair under a, a President Trump, they'd right. do it to fight the good fight for the Fed's independence. What do you think of that? I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, you take someone like Kevin Warsh, who's been at the Fed and, and now at Stanford, uh, a never Trump guy, I think he would do it. I think Trump's first choice for a Yellen replacement would probably come down to John Taylor, also at Stanford, also you know author of the Taylor Rule, the rules-based monetary policy, uh, and he would certainly do it. And it, it is a different beast than a cabinet uh, department because you are, at least theoretically and, and usually in practice, independent from the executive branch, and you make huge decisions on monetary policy and uh, you can sort of guide the economy without a whole lot of input, although who knows how a Donald Trump would treat the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. We know that he has not been uh, particularly kind towards Yellen and already believes that somehow she's taking direction from the Obama White House. So I think even somebody like uh, Warsh or John Taylor would probably have a conversation with Trump and say, look, you can't mess with me in this job. I'm not taking it if you're going to be calling me up and browbeating me on interest rates decisions. But it's a whole different beast. And I think you'd have people jumping at the chance. To but if be they, the if, I mean, and also these are, you know, you mentioned Warsh Taylor and other people like that who strongly believe in the the role of the Federal Reserve, its yeah. independence. They might disagree on, you know, policy with right. the current direction. But they're, you know, these are these are believers. Yes. So they would go in there to sort of, you know, to fight the good 
fight right. and to keep the place. They don't want to see some squishy, you know, person mm-hmm. thrown in there, which, right. you know, might be the, might, of course, be the, the way Donald Trump would view this. Like, right. oh, well, look, I might as well put some my guy, right. um, you know, maybe this, you know, the CEO of uh, Hardee's in. Right. Uh, right. Who would just be a crony and, <laughs> yeah. and would take that call saying, OK, at the next FOMC meeting, you guys are going to do X, you know, <laughs> yeah. because I'm running for reelection and I need a rate cut. So go do it. Right. And three shakes with that, please. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes. There, there certainly be conservatives who uh, believe very strongly, you know, they they want to change the direction of the Fed, as you said, on policy. And they they don't want all of this uh, sort of loosey goosey policy making by feelings. They want policy making by strict rules on the numbers on inflation and uh, unemployment. Uh, but they love the Fed and its role and its independence. So they would uh, agree to serve in order to maintain that. All right. So. Before we close, why don't we play a game? Let's play the economic dream machine. Let's try to come up with the best uh, team for economic policy for a Trump administration and for a Clinton administration. And I'll go first. So my picks for uh, a Republican administration, a Trump administration, I guess for Treasury Secretary, I would put someone like Kevin Warsh. Um, I'm not I'm pretty certain he wouldn't do it. Um, but I would probably think he'd be the right guy for that, largely because he'd implement the Jeb Bush economic plan, which I thought was actually not that bad. Um, as far as the Federal Reserve chair, I would probably put John Taylor in, only because I know him, and so maybe he'd still talk to me. Um, <laughs> uh, on the National Economic Council, I mean, I would put someone like, the problem is Glenn Hubbard's already done it, but I think he'd be the, the right kind of guy for that. Um, U.S. Trade Representative, I'd put someone like Ginny Romady, the chief executive uh, officer at IBM, because she'd actually know the benefits of free trade. Of course, I'm, this is, I don't think Trump will do any of this, but <laughs> this is what I would say. As far as Secretary of Commerce, I would put someone like Jeff Immelt, uh, the Je- General Electric Check chief executive, because there you get uh, similarly someone who understands business and can basically go around the world selling America. As far as the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, uh, that is usually, isn't that usually a sort of e- economist mm-hmm. of some sort? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Steve Schwartzman, just for fun. So you get, so we, so we, so we still have lots of interesting things to write about. Maybe about a you? wild card, <laughs> or maybe the wild card. I, I'll leave the wild card. Okay. Open. What, what about you, Ben? What would be your pick? For okay, I'll try to differentiate from you a little bit, so we don't repeat ourselves. Uh, Treasury Secretary, I'll say Glenn Hubbard. Uh, I think he would be the best choice. Again, it's a question of whether he would do it. National Economic Council Director. Sometimes you get a more businessy person there. You get the CEA, the Economist, and the NEC. You get a, a Jeff Zients a business type. So I'm going to go ahead and put Anthony Scaramucci there. Uh, Federal Reserve Chair, uh, again, I think John Taylor or Kevin Warsh. Uh, when the time comes, Commerce Secretary, I frankly don't care because it doesn't matter. It's a useless agency that doesn't do anything. Uh, but, you know, MLT is, is fine. Uh, you could, I, I don't think he would do it. I think you could have some other CEO there, but I'm just going to skip it because I don't mm. care. Uh, the <laughs> CEA, you try to get an economist like Mankiw for that. Uh, U.S. Trade Rep, you know, let's go back to the future with Bob Zellick, who also can't stand Donald Trump, but believe so heavily in free trade and its importance that he would do it if asked. Uh, and my wild card uh, would be Carl Icahn to run the entire government. Oh, that's that. that <laughs> again, we will be in business for a long time with that. Gina, what, what have you got on the Republican side? All right. So um, 
Treasury Secretary, I also have uh, Glenn Hubbard. Um, for National Economic Council, I might throw in someone from the private sector, maybe like a Steve Mnuchin. He seems to have at least tried to steer the fundraising um, in a more uh, rational way. For the Fed chair, I have either uh, Greg Menke or, um, or Kevin Warsh. Um, I agree on, on commerce. Uh, that it's not necessarily the plum position, but it does seem like it could be a useful launching pad for someone on the business side to then eventually try to move up. So um, like a Ginny or Maddie or even like a Ken Langone. For CEA, I might even throw in like someone like a Tom Honig just because he knows how to And where is he? He's at the... He's at the FDIC right now, but was also at the Fed, um, but also just liked to sort of stir things up and um, is befitting, I think, of sort of the populist mood and and anger um, that's sort of out there. Um, And I think, is that it for for the spots? Yeah, the the wild card, uh, maybe someone like John Paulson could come in and see what he can do when, uh, when he's actually in the public's eye. Yeah. Okay. On the Democrats, I'll go again. My feeling is for Treasury Secretary, I would, and now uh, assuming that she is actually going to go for some diversity, I would choose Meg Whitman as Treasury Secretary. She brings the private sector. She's confirmable. She's a Republican, but she's a center-right Republican. Um, I think she'd be probably quite good for that job. As for the Federal Reserve Chair, well, assuming... Janet Yellen doesn't get a second term, which is uh, highly, well, more likely, I would say, under under President Clinton. Then if it's not her, I would say Roger Ferguson, who I, who, uh, I think is also of that cast, you know, sort of center, uh, sensible, has been in the, at the table before, would make, would make a pretty good choice. Also brings some diversity uh, in the sense that he's African-American. Um, as far as National Economic Council director, I would probably go for someone, gosh, uh, I would probably go f- traditional for a, um, an economist of some sort. So um, Alan Kruger, say, probably be my pick for that. Uh, Secretary of Commerce, I know you guys diss the Secretary of Commerce, but <laughs> I think it's kind of important, you know, someone goes around and does sort of, you know, sells America, as it were, to the world. So who better than someone from Wall Street? I would say someone like Ruth Porat, though I think she'd be in a better in a bigger position. Um, I just don't know how confirmable she is. She's been at Morgan. She had been at Morgan Stanley for quite some time. Um, but, you know, you could see someone like Tony James there, for, for instance, uh, having been at Blackstone. He kind of knows business. Uh, as far as the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, gosh, um, you know, I would, I would, you know, you've got the sort of person like Laura Tyson, who's an economist who's been, I mean, she's probably done, she probably did that job she did. before. She did. So maybe she could do it well. Uh, or maybe one of her she students. She knows the trade. <laughs> um, U.S. trade representative, I would certainly pick someone, a great negotiator, maybe uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> now, there's real olive branch for you right there, <laughs> yeah. mending fences. Um, I think you're insane, but <laughs> yeah. but I like it. I like it. As a wild card, um, I'd take uh, someone like Dan Tarillo, who's been this um, this uh, the, the anti big bank guy and throw him in. He's certainly going to be looking for a job at some point in the near future. Um, 
put him into that place making you know th- that might help the progressive left mm-hmm. um, I mean how could they oppose the guy who's basically crushed the Wall Street profitability model yeah the guy who makes it impossible to uh, make any money on, on Wall Street and <laughs> jacks your cost of capital up beyond your ability to make any returns <laughs> there so, you go uh, he would be popular with the left so certainly. what do you think what do you think then uh, okay uh, ben? so Treasury Secretary I mean I'm on record talking about Sandberg a lot I, I share your skepticism that that'll wind up happening so I, I'm gonna go ahead and do Roger Ferguson at Treasury um, because I think he ticks so many boxes uh, yeah. and would be good at the job. Uh, NEC director um, that is going to be somebody from the business side, probably. You know, you put a uh, Ursula Burns there or something. Oh, that's a great choice. Yeah. Uh, Fed chair will be Yellen and stay Yellen unless there's some. Fed disaster between now and when her term is up, or some you know personal issue she wasn't doesn't want to do it again. But I would just assume she stays, and if if not her, uh, Ferguson maybe uh, Secretary of Commerce. I'm going to go ahead and put Mark Cuban in there because you want somebody to bounce around the world selling America. There, there's a guy who can sell just about anything to anyone at any time, right? Uh, Especially so, if it's tequila, it, it, precisely, and cigars. Uh, so, and you know, he's been a loyal soldier on the campaign trail and a real thorn in Trump's side. So, if he wants something, I think they'll find something for him. Uh, the CEA chair is where I think they need to go a little bit left and get somebody from the progressive movement. So I'd put Joe Stieglitz there. I mean, he's done the job before, but uh, I think he wants the job again or a job. So so put him in there. Um, U.S. trade rep. You know, that's a good question. There'll be a lot of pressure to put somebody who is, you know, wants to make better trade deals and protect workers more and get more trade adjustment assistance. I, I don't necessarily know who that person is uh, at this point. I don't think we've talked about Brian Deese at all. He's done a lot of these jobs and and maybe he's up for something like that. Um, But I I don't know. That's that's a tough one to call. Uh, And my wild card would be Mike Bloomberg to do something because I think he wants to do something. I don't know if he's confirmable for anything given he's a one percenter and a moderate and a Republican. Well, wild card could be like economic czar. Yeah, he does have some some big job for him to, you know, help jumpstart economic growth. Yeah, that's a good list. Um, Gina. So I have Lael Brainerd for Treasury Secretary, and I think she. She does, as Ben said, she has issues with the left, but I think that's really unfair um, of some of the things that have been said about her. And she did lead PPP efforts when she was at Treasury, but that's what her job called for. And people say privately she's actually um, much more sort of left of center on those issues. For our National Economic Council Director, I have Meg Whitman down, um, especially Considering how um, helpful she's been to Clinton in recent weeks. For Federal Reserve Chair, I also have Roger Ferguson down. I think he would be great there and just help shake up things at the Fed and, and answer, um, obviously, some of the calls for diversity there. For Commerce Secretary, I have Cheryl Sandberg. I think um, just given some of her wealth, uh, she might have some issues when she goes before the Senate on Treasury, but maybe on Commerce, she could glide through because no one cares. <laughs> exactly. Fine. Yeah. Go do well, it. You can't and, do any damage there. You already have a much wealthier person in that spot right now with Penny Pritzker. That's true. So, um, and uh, for CA, um, for the nod to the left, I actually 
point um, put in Teresa Pilar-Ducci's the labor economist who's put together this retirement plan with Tony James. I think she could be um, interesting there and has some interesting ideas. For the trade rep, I put in maybe someone like Ursula Burns who I think would be a good base for that issue and someone who could try to explain. She's, the, 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 chair, she's the head of Xerox, just right. She's yes. the head of Xerox, right? And yeah, for the wild card, um, yeah, someone like Mark Cuban or even, you know, a, a David Rubenstein, who seems like he's just, someone has told me his job these days is just professional moderator, but he seems to just like um, being more in the spotlight and getting more into the policy aspects, and so we'll see. Or, or someone like Indra Nui as well, I think could, could be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, she's a, the head of Pepsi. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, her name came up for the World Bank a couple of years ago as well. Um, all right. Well, look, I think we've uh, we've basically created the dream team, some variation for both a Trump presidency and a Clinton presidency. We'll get to cover this and write about it. I know I'm going to be watching Morning Money's uh, daily newsletter. Thank you, Ben, for coming in. Appreciate Pleasure that. to be here. Thanks for having me. And Gina, uh, as always, we'll be following everything you write for Breaking Views from Washington. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Wow. Okay, that was a lot of names. The Democrats in particular seem to have lots of able-bodied men and women from Wall Street to corporate America and beyond lining up for a job. And if many of the Republicans identified in the economic dream team machine don't much like Trump, the view seems to be that they would have a hard time saying no to an opportunity or nay duty to serve their country. Thanks for listening. Please do go to Reuters.com forward slash economic dream team and try creating your own fantasy Delta Force for economic policy for the candidates. Be sure to share them with us on Twitter at Breaking Views. If you haven't already, please sign up on iTunes and anywhere else you satisfy your audio cravings for The Exchange, The Views Room and other Reuters podcasts. You can also check us out at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter at Breaking Views at Gina Chan at Rob One Cox, and at Morning Money Ben. Thanks for tuning in, and adios. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance high-yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.